episode six, just a few days later. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's Ethan Eversold, cross from me, and the basement studio is Dan Arbuckle from Headwaters. Just a few days after the last time, maybe 5,000 miles later. Yeah, I should be charging you rent up here. <laughs> and, I mean, you should be charging me rent, sorry. And Seth West, um, over that's been working with Dan on the Headwaters YouTube channel, Headwaters Instagram, and an amazing photographer and videographer and boater and fisherman. Welcome. Hey, good to be here. All yeah. right. Thanks for hosting Canoe Camp this week, by the way. This is awesome. <laughs> so just to set the stage for where we are here now on Tuesday is these boys rolled into town, I think Saturday even, and had kind of, you guys were off up in the mountains biking and stuff. And then I saw you on Monday, I believe, right? Yep. You had, had already had a couple days. And last time we talked on the podcast was just a few days ago when we were like, hey, where have you paddled? We both kind of had to dig deep because it was cold. It had been raining. Life stuff, as you mentioned. Well, a couple days ago, what, four days ago, the switch flipped. And we've had a couple consecutive days of 80 and sunny here in Bend. And the yeah, boats we, just everywhere, right? Yeah, we, we couldn't have timed that better at all. We had a demo day in Eugene on Saturday at Dexter Reservoir, which was super cool. But we definitely had a bit of showers come through. Um, I got to work the event with your partner, Nick Whitman. And Kurt Renner, Craig Richter, just a bunch of the um, Oregon Paddle Sports crew. Anyway, it was a fun event, but we did get some rain and some weather. And then it dried out that night. And the next few days have been like spectacular, perfect dirt. The rivers are all up. Everything is just beautiful. It's like perfect bend summertime weather. Well, Seth, you've been where um, recently up until leading it through this with like the rain, the weather, where were you based with all that? Oh gosh, uh, I've been all over the place this year. It's the first year that I haven't been tied into paddle sports retail in nine years or something like that. So I've uh, been exercising the freedom to paddle wherever. So let's see, I uh, got back recently from doing Gates of Lador. Uh, one day before I left for Gates of Lador, I had just come back from Loxaw. So I had a nice Loxaw weekend. Uh, I got a John Day trip in before that. Uh, I've done some like personal first descents on some rivers in the gorge. Over the last couple of months, so I've been actually doing the opposite of you guys. I've just been paddling like nonstop, like all winter. <laughs> great. Well, that's, you know, if you've got your boat, you got your skills, this rain, this water's been awesome, right? It's been super solid. Yeah. Wow. The last time I saw you, I, I felt like you were coming down off of a, uh, a bender, a paddling bender. Oh, it was. Yeah. I, I had, I did like a, I was posting every day because there was like, I think nine days in a row at one point. It was like my streak or it may have been two full weeks. I was just literally like posting something on my story every day that was like boating bender day, like. 11 or whatever it was and it would just be like me sitting under a different kayak like get to put in just like yeah worn out drained so fun though well we appreciate you making the time to rally to come uh come here to bend and film with us yeah and just hang with us kind of it's been really fun we've been doing a few days on the Deschutes so far uh trying to shoot some educational videos for the headwaters channel and ethan's always awesome enough to put us up here and let us use a uh, happy paddle and shed which I'm excited to kind of highlight in a recent video. Yeah, it's been sick, man. Appreciate you having us here. Yeah, it's. All, I mean, it's. Um, my situation is two of my kids are at a camp back in Minnesota, month-long camp. They just had a big storm, like trees blowing down in the camp, and you know I'm not in communication with them at all. But I heard it, like the camp had to email out something. Oh wow! That there was a storm. So, um, and then their their mother, uh, my co-parent Karen, is in the UP of Michigan, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, Lake Superior. 
Um, just one of my favorite spots. And I have been back here in Bend myself with my eight-year-old Chase for a week, 10 days, now solo. And he does have his uh, grandmothers in town. And um, But so to have you guys come in, there was space in the house, like the yeah, driveway. Okay. It just worked out great. There's boats everywhere spread all over the yard. We've got our dogs playing. Um, we just... I think part of the reason we sat down to do this is we had a great day. I mean, you guys have been stacking them. Yesterday, you did Ben's Whitewater Park. Tell me about that. Super cool, man. <laughs> I'd only done it once before, and it was like super low. Maybe a couple of years ago, my wife brought me here for my birthday just to like hang out because it was COVID and we couldn't do much else, right? So we just kind of took a little trip down here, and there was like barely any water. The only thing you could do was surf that last little wave, and you could literally just like sit in there and spin. Like nothing else was going. So I didn't really know what was going on here, but... uh Man, yesterday was fun. It was just like we came in and kind of ran like the whole center expert quote channel yeah. uh, and had a fun thing there and caught the little surf wave after the surfer, like surfboard surfer wave and played that for a long time. Dan relearned how to stern squirt, which is really the highlight of the day, I think. That that was a highlight of my year. Like one of one definitely one of the highlights. Like getting back into a boat and like just doing simple stuff like I surfed a green wave, you know, just old school, you know. Shredded it though. It Didn't looked just great. It. I was Shredded. with my I was with my eight year old Chase on our bike, and we had biked down, and so we were on the bridge leading over, and everybody, the Whitewater Park and Bend uh, tragedy. A seventeen year old local uh, ended up um, passing, uh, and probably uh, maybe a month ago, and they had closed the park down, so it just had opened up, and some and there's a lot of new precautions, no leashes. Um, if you're surfing, um, wearing PFDs and helmets is highly recommended. And that was literally this third day after they've been opened. Yeah. Wow. So they, there was a, you know, very interesting energy around the whole area. People, I think we're all aware, like there was, yeah. you know, it was in the, even the surfers and like when they, they, you guys passed through the, uh, channel that on the first, second wave that they're green waves that they're surfing, stand up surfing, you guys passed over and they kind of moved over. And I just was watching the mannerisms of the crowd there and it just was like it seemed like there was like a heavier respect and then you guys went over that we got some nice footage of that up on uh instagram on both headwaters kayak and also seth you're uh you had well you had a couple i think reels that you put out too yeah 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 we'll have uh tomorrow's whitewater wednesday so dan's got a great post nice showing some of his amazing surf skills nice <laughs> and then you guys ended up pulling in here we had a barbecue fire outside last night and uh today we ended up uh they shot some video outside and then ended up going to the upper deschutes and finding just like a little cool little pool river section and i was in a whitewater canoe yeah and they were what were you filming to sit on top yeah you did some good scouting for us man you found us the coolest spot so Ethan had been paddling this section before and had seen this put in, but wasn't sure how to get there. And we went through some pretty backwoods stuff to get to this put in. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing. And uh, the white water, the footage, everything about it was just super special. The lighting, uh, you out there with your new canoe ripping it up was super fun to watch. Well, that's what we were just talking about before we hit record is Seth was there with his gear and I had to run out for something else afterward came back and they were like diving into really fun photos and um i think it just like then we started watching other videos right like watching some a video what was it uh, uh make canoe canoeing great again oh, right Wasn't awesome that oh so good it's guys, classic guys doing big white water and open solo and tandem canoes um and then we got talking and what led us down here were we talking about uh dan 
Yeah, we were talking about Seth and his video skills and like just being completely amazed that we could go paddling. And here's a guy that's just like so fired up about paddling that one, he captures it in a way that you and I vibe and relate to because we're both paddlers. And then he edited it and had it done by the time you got home from your band practice in like two hours. Like a super, super sweet canoe edit that uh, it's kind of like a timepiece, I feel like. You're going to keep that forever. Oh, it was um, coming down here. You know, when we were talking about that, I just, I had see, I've seen people that are like, can get down in the water and start working right away with camera gear. Or I've, and they're, they're great and very efficient with their gear, but maybe not setting a relaxed scene. So Seth, thank you. Like you were just hanging out um, and like working, your gear wasn't giving you any issues. You're just super dialed and uh, like allowed us just to focus on the fun of the river. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the day? Like what did you get into? What was your perspective as a videographer, photographer and all this? And maybe just describe the scene for us a little bit. Yeah. Oh man, it's kind of, I don't know. This is a weird thing to talk about. And I have, I have always, it's like paddle sports has this gap, right? And I think the reason that I do things a little differently is like, I'm also a fly fisherman and fly fishing has like the content you see for fly fishing is like very creative. It's very artistic. It's like buttery and dreamy, right? And it, it like, it romanticizes the sport, right? It's like you watch fly fishing films and they're just like really beautifully made and you can tell people put time into these and a lot of thought and like you can tell like the person who's shooting it is a fly fisherman who's like trying to tell this story in this beautiful way, right? And you just don't really have that in paddle sports generally. Like there's a couple things here and there. There's a couple people, you know, like in the whitewater world, right? You've got Rush Sturgis doing River Roots and he has this like amazing production quality and he does these these beautiful films, but that's, that's kind of like a one-off, right? There's not a ton of that. Um, and so that's kind of like... You know, I kind of took that, like, uh, my, my friend Cameron that I told you about the other day, Dan, who, like, was kind of my inspiration when I started filming his whole thing. Was, mm-hmm. He was a fly angler, um, and he kayak fly fished, and I got to know him and see his stuff. And when I would see his stuff, I'd be like, man, I want to do stuff that looks that cool. I want to do stuff that, like, that makes the stuff that we're doing have that kind of feel to it, right? Um, the way the light, like, on a fly fishing, they always got that light right behind the line, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. like, it almost has, like, a little diamond crystal-y, like, bee. Yep. Yep. It's just playing with stuff. You caught some of that today in your canoe, man. The light was shining through the weave of your canoe. The white water's like splashing all over. And it's like the perfect, coolest looking shot of a, of a composite whitewater canoe I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it's fun, right? It's like, sometimes it's like this, particularly today, it was like easy to me because like when I walked in your shed the other day, and uh, sorry, it's not a shed, your awesome barn. Shed, uh, but I, we, the canoe cathedral. Yeah, the canoe cathedral. I like walked in there, I saw that boat, and I was like immediately inspired. I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, that's yeah, it's an outstanding boat, right? It's it's not like a boat that you're gonna see every day. It's I've never seen one of those in my life before. So I was like, wow, that's yeah. sick. Yeah, I want to do something with that. And so when you're like, I'm taking it out, I'm like, yeah, like, sorry. Well, no, that's fine. Oh yeah, it's, it's heck yeah, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> So we got a clean rating through five podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. There it goes. You can beep it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it was just, it was just like, it was a beautiful light. It was a beautiful spot. And then you got this beautiful boat and you're having a great time paddling. It just makes it easy. It's maiden voyage. Yeah. Yeah. This is a North Star Koei you know, made out of a composite. So you're paddling. Yeah, tell me like all it. about this thing because I don't really know right. a, a whole lot about it, but it is gorgeous. Well, it's North Star Canoes makes you know, they're really known for making river touring, lake, boundary waters, ultralight carbon, Kevlar, beautiful wood trim. 
but they had their they got their hands on the Ekoe mold and they've had it for a while. They used to do one thermoformed for Royal X. And they also had the Prodigy and the Prodigy X, so that which is just more of kind of like the RPM of the canoe, like just a right. good river touring. But now this is like a boat that can kind of introduce, like I think, you know, you can get better at surfing and do moderate drops like you would find in the southeast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And uh, they made it out of IXP, they call it, which is like 17 layers of cloth or more in certain areas. I think for this canoe, even more solid core, Kevlar, Negra basalt just comboed into this super weave that's insane that it it feels like it's a composite boat so it's stiff it's light and then and on the water it's it feels as like that translation is mushed into like a flexible hull and I, I was dragging it up over rocks the same as you were doing with your poly I had watched you I was so like, well. man he's just full sending and he was like this is what I bought this machine for yeah. and I'm gonna go use it this is what it's all about and but oh, also, so. like when I went by you on the river, I had it in one hand, right? Yeah. And like was walking with my paddle to like stabilize a little bit. You can't do that with really a heavy Royal X or Poly boat, right? Yeah, like that's and, wild. Anyway, so yeah, that's what they're talking about with the light because the light does pass through that lamination. So yeah, you guys got to go check it out. We're gonna have that video posted. Uh, I don't know. It'll be somewhere. Either Everywhere. Happy paddling. <laughs> you'll find it if you like us our stuff. Headwaters kayak happy paddling. You'll see it because I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm going to be posting that everywhere because it is just, I don't know, for me, it captures something like a a core passion. Like it really struck a chord with me today. I was like, this is what we love. It's what brought us together. I mean, I I think the chord though is yesterday you guys were in whitewater kayaks, mountain bikes the day before. Today you had a sit inside 11 foot wreck, open wreck boat and a sit on top river fishing boat. And a whitewater canoe. And tomorrow, I think you guys are talking about long boats, right? Shooting like touring models at some point up in yep. the lakes, right? So this like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do this in paddle sports, uh, which I think is, and I'll tell you, I don't do them all well, but I'm going to at least try to do them all, right? You know, Totally. I've always felt like if one thing's fun and enjoyable, I bet something else is too. And maybe that's prevented me from ever being like a true master, like, like, I don't know. Seth. Seth doesn't like to talk about it. He's like, no, no, I'm class three, four, which I'm sure on the scale of things, there's always somebody better. But to us, like your wire water paddling is super impressive and incredible to watch. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's so, one of the things we kind of wanted to talk to you about. Like, what are we going to talk to Seth about? Like, let's kind of make some tick. It's been helpful to just get to know you the past couple of days. Yeah. But uh, what I want to talk to you about a little bit about paddling the Pacific Northwest, the whitewater scene. And uh, it's kind of what you've been into, what you've been filming lately. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Man, it's been... I mean, this... It's been kind of interesting. So I've been here... This is my fifth year in the Northwest. Uh, and it's... I mean, it's pr- like the only way to describe the the like whitewater scene. It's just like it's prolific. I mean, it's enormous. There's whitewater everywhere. There are paddlers everywhere. Um, you know, it's you, you can throw a rock in any room and probably hit a whitewater boater, which is not a thing you can say in most of the world. Um, and that's that's awesome because there's always people to paddle with. And then the same goes for like world class rivers. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you drive along, and if you drive for half an hour, you know, in almost any direction, you're gonna pass something. I mean, like the Little White, right? It's like right there. You know, 45, 50 minutes from my house, the Green Trust. Uh, the wind, like it's just, it's everywhere, especially right near Portland. Like you just drive into the gorge and it's just like classic, 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 like every direction. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when I was 
you know, over the years up here, like working at Battlefield Retailer and stuff, uh, retailers have like made connections with, you know, people who work for manufacturers and like pro boaters and stuff. And so uh, I think one of the, the like really important connections for me has been Dave Fusilli, who was our Piranha rep and like Piranha West Coast rep and kind of warehouses stuff for them over here. And he's just a great dude. Like genuinely, like I love all the Piranha guys, like every single one of them I bet. They're just upbeat, friendly people who like are they're just totally encouraging to everyone in the sport and you know they're they're rad dudes and dave's no exception and you know he kind of has been another person who's been like really supportive with my photography and video stuff like we did some videos together when i worked at next and then you know when i decided to stop working there and kind of move into doing my own thing he's he's just been there he's like yeah you want to shoot let's go shoot like let's go shoot this let's go shoot that you know like the ripper (laughs) 2 is going to be here soon and we're like got all these plans to shoot videos for that right and it's just he's a phenomenal paddler i think like He's a pro boater and, like, known, but I think in this scheme of, like, pro boaters and, like, people who I'd say are underrated, he is just so smooth and, like, one of the few who, as he's, like, kind of aging, is just getting, like, more stylish. You know, it's like he just keeps getting better and more relaxed looking, and it just makes, like, a dream to shoot with him. It's just like you get out, and he's just going to go up to, like, a waterfall and just ear dip and look so just at ease like he doesn't even look like he's trying you know he makes it look like i like i look on the freaking play wave yesterday my playboat like actually no he makes it look easier than that it's just <laughs> it's ridiculous right yeah when somebody's a master of their craft it makes shooting yeah. them even more fun because it's it's beautiful yeah it literally is i mean some of the shots i've gotten of them this season i'm just like i look at him i'm like i can't even believe i took that picture just, <laughs> well wow. you're like describing a delicate like delicate finesse boater too it seems yeah. like which Tom Bearer, the founder of Eddie Line, said, you know, Whitewater kind of changed from ballet to billiards. And then the way you just described it, I was like, oh, but there are people doing ballet on big water. Yeah. It's already already gotten cleaned and tightened. It was a little rough and tumble, and now it's just smooth and Jedi-like, right? Oh, yeah, man. It's super fun because I found, uh, like, the Little White, you know, this legendary, beautiful river. Uh, And uh, I found a video of, like, the guys who did the first descents of it the other day. It's on Vimeo. It was 1993. And these guys were like in, you know, perception pirouettes, you know, like these long boats, no rocker. And they're paddling during the summertime when it's super low. And they're just coming up to drops, taking their paddle, putting it over their heads and just plugging everything (laughs) and just like dropping right over and just like sticking their feet down between every drop. And that's, you know, the whole summer of 1993, these guys just kept going back and running this river, like what we would consider no style at all. It was hook and pray. Right. And that's like a thing that I think doesn't really get talked about enough is the progression that's occurred in recent years where you had you know in the very beginning you had like genuine huck and pray like people did not know how this thing worked they just had guts and a fiberglass boat and they just went right and it was like that and it was like that for a long time and you know with over the last decade it's just become this thing or it's becoming really refined and you have these people like dave and dane and annual and these guys who just like you watch them do insane stuff and they look like they're not trying at all they yeah. just look so smooth and effortless and they make it look beautiful and it's that same kind of thing right that same kind of thing i'm talking about where now like whitewater is another one of those things that's come into this place where you it, it you can romanticize it right because in the past you couldn't because you couldn't make it look romantic when some guy is just like falling over the lip of a waterfall helplessly and flailing on the way down it's like no matter how you shoot that it's gonna look terrible uh, but now you have these guys who are just like like they look like they are truly like at one with the river and it's just such an awesome thing to like get out there and paddle with these guys and document them doing this stuff and be like 
look at how beautiful this thing that we're doing is, right? It's not, it's not just a bunch of crazies out here like falling off of big waterfalls. It's people who have developed these skills in some cases for decades and and they do it just it is like a ballet it's beautiful you know so yeah i don't know if that was really on topic kind of straight off yeah you know no that is exactly uh, yeah i just got intrigued by what you said you were kind of documenting your shooting it was like oh he's not getting that rough and tumble stuff of the age and like of that that 2000s early 2000s and stuff right you know or even before like you said you're getting like the delicate refined that's really interesting yeah like the go off the waterfall 90 degrees move it and then like skip across the bottom just incredible yeah i mean it's it's out of control how good some people are these days yeah it's fun to watch um i was gonna say that you know you got all these pro boaters that are uh coming up and then kids are seeing these videos and they make it look effortless they make it look like they have everything on lock and then a 12 year old watches that and they're like okay so that's how you do it that's how it's done they didn't see like all the old struggles <laughs> and they just go do it. And they, I mean, obviously they don't just go do it, but I watched my 12 year old son and how quickly he progresses on a bike. He's so much better than I was at 12. Huh. And I watched these kids, uh, you know, we were riding with Nick at the, uh, the bike park the other day, uh, here in Bend. And yeah, just to watch these little groms, like this 11 year old kid followed me down a jump trail and was just so stylish right on my rear tire. Nice. And yeah, so it's just really cool. I love that. I love seeing the next generation like oh, feeding man. off the work you're doing. Yeah, no, it's it's and Whitewater's got that too. It's like, you know, when I was at Next Adventure, I had the had the I guess I I mean it was an opportunity to like work with Piranha to like co-sponsor this younger dude who was like I think at the, the time he was like 13 or 14, and you know I'd been talking to the guys at Piranha and they're like we want to like kind of sponsor this guy but he's really young so it's kind of we don't know so like maybe we go 50 50 on it and so we did. And I mean, mind blowing. Like this kid's like 13, 14 years old, already paddling class five, like really wow. well. Like not just paddling class, because like a lot of people paddle class five at this point. It's, and it's one thing to do it. And there are people who do it and they survive, <laughs> right? They just kind of get through and they're like, phew. Uh, and then there are people who do it and like make it look really good. And this kid's like 14 years old and doing that already, right? So sponsor him. He just feeds off it, right? It just gives him a little bit of, like, publicity. It gives him more gear. It gives him some drive. Uh, and now he is just, like, I think he's 16 now and world class, like, genuinely. This kid is, he's out there running the little white, like, regularly. And same thing we're just talking about, like, gear dip off the drop, land, skip out across the pool, and make <laughs> so it look cool. like it's nothing. And he's 16 years old. And then yeah. he's, you know, and it's becoming common. You know, you're seeing, you go out to the little white and you see a bunch of young guys who are still teenagers that are just shredding I saw a guy last year who was like maybe 20 21 years old running it in a full slice and just like playing his way down which is absurd like a river that difficult it's it's awesome man so it's yeah the progression is it's it's happening in whitewater too which is awesome to see awesome to see a younger generation and like you know downriver downriver freestyle is becoming the thing right like not just gear dipping but doing a 180 doing a freewheel off the big waterfalls like doing switch freewheels doing kick flips off waterfalls you know cobra flips yeah and that's stuff. insane to watch well yeah. there's this generation of parents that like did some of these things on their vacations and then prioritized this and so now they're raising like the childhood they wish yeah. they kind of aspired to have but had a little taste of it right i mean case like you know like 
that that's just we see it all over this town in particular. And so they have those as teachers, but then there's also full schools and dedicated side education programs we were yeah. talking about earlier in Hood River and so forth, right? Yeah, yeah like world class. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. World, yeah. yeah, world class. So that's like a, a basically a school slash kayak school. You're getting your they have that on the mountain for snowboarding. You probably have it for mountain biking too, right, Dan? Like educational, like junior high mountain bike school where you're getting your books and your biking. Yeah, I mean, we did the Adventure Academy in Reading here yeah. for the last year. Yeah. Um, but kind of the same idea. Like they get their adventures in, they also get their school in. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're seeing that more and more. That's sick. I would love. I would go back to high school just to do that. Yeah, where's the, a better boater? Where's the? I mean, Otter Bar has the adult version, and certain other places have that like immersive adult experience, yeah. right? Well, I know like um, Evan Garcia. If you guys are familiar with him, professional whitewater boater, like really, he's kind of like you know we're talking about that progression that happened that went from like the huck and prey to really entering the style. He was kind of one of those guys like in the late, you know, early 2010s kind of era that was really bringing in that very stylish kind of like class five paddling. Yeah. Um, and so now he does, um, I think he calls it like the whitewater masters is what it's called. And it's like, he, you know, gets together a crew of people that pay him and a lot of them are older guys, uh, and just teach them how to paddle. Um, and like, it's open to any age. It's usually, you know, whatever you just pay however many thousand bucks. And then sometimes they go to Mexico and they like have like a, a waterfall class that teaches you how to like boof really well and also do like bigger drops and uh, yeah I mean that that, that by sounds itself. amazing that's, that's brilliant so Evan you know I watched those guys grow up because I was his, their parents rep of Northern Lights and oh, Bar yeah. Mike Garcia yeah and uh, you know and so he's he had uh, two sons at, at least gosh. Evan, Evan and Ian are like the ones that like I interact from young and on up, but mm -hmm. watching through the dad's eyes, you know, Mike was, um, and his wife were unbelievably supportive and comfortable with their, what their kids were yeah. doing. And I watched it. I was like, Mike, how do you do that? Right. Watch your kid like breaking first descent waterfalls all over everywhere. Right. Yeah. And Evan, yeah, Evan's a champ. I saw him at uh, Northwest Creeking competition. Like bunch of cool people all just cheer and yell you know they were like the support for what he was doing at that time yeah some people are trying to kind of front at those things but everybody just got giddy and support yeah i was there pretty cool that's nice. awesome that's right so yeah we're delving into the whitewater scene um the uh the boats that are coming out you're talking about piranha really mm -hmm. neat and we got into you know, Dan, today you were paddling a crescent, which is like a river running sit on top with some fishing emphasis to it, right? I mean, this model that you had is, is a fishing boat with river. Emphasis. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of designed for, well, it's designed by a guy named Drew Gregory, who's a big time in kayak fishing friend of mine I've known for a long time. Uh, he d designed the Jackson Coosa back in the day, which was a super popular boat. And that was kind of geared towards river fishing. And I think what they wanted to do with the crescent, uh, so Drew went to work for crescent to you know help market but also to help design this boat um as they wanted to create something that was a good all-around kayak that could be used in the river that could still be used in the lake but it definitely has a lot of buoyancy in the bow and buoyancy in the stern a little bit softer lines to make it a little smoother in the river as opposed to some of their other boats that have you know deep tracking deep keel so it was a pretty cool boat. Uh, neat to see all Drew Gregory's ideas and 
James's kind of craftsmanship come together. Uh, and, you know, it was like three years in the making to make this thing happen. So pretty cool to see the finished product and actually get to put it through its paces a little bit. So, you know, we're talking class five, white water, sit on top, fishing boat. Tell me the bridge, the bridge of that, you know, the two. Like, do you see, could you see the fishing community, Seth and Dan, become river runners through this kind of process and whitewater eventually and to full closed boats? Is it all just, uh, or does it, do they say segmented? No, I think, I'll, I'll let you chime in, but I think it's a real defined fork in the road between fishermen and kayakers. You're one of the rare ones that does both, so I think you're more qualified to talk to it. Yeah, I mean, it's... This has been a funny thing, right? Because those are the two things that I like my primary things, right? Like I see kayak a little bit, it's super cool, but it's a very new thing to me. I'm not going to claim to be like a, a, an amazing sea kayaker because like any skill that I have in sea kayaking is just white water that I've translated to bigger boats and bigger white water, right? So, uh, but white water has been my focus for like almost a decade now. Fishing I've been doing since I was very, like probably four or five years old, right? So, uh, so I have kind of like this weird, you know, when I'm posting stuff online, when I'm doing videos and stuff, and like when I was at dealers and now with my personal stuff, it's like a back and forth. And I always like, anytime I kind of transition seasons, I'm just like waiting for everyone to unfollow me because it's like, you know, white water all winter and spring and it'll just be white water, white water, white water is everything that I'm posting. And then it'll get warm and white water kind of melts away. And I'm like, I'm going fishing in the ocean for the next three months and I just wait. And it doesn't happen. It's like, you know, white water... I think is an interesting enough thing that people who kayak fish see it and they're like, wow, that's really cool. And they're not going to unfollow you. And then in particular, like the thing that I've been really into the last few years with fishing has been ocean kayak fishing. And the interest that I've actually seen from whitewater boaters to do that, like the people that I paddle with, like they see my pictures of that and they're like, you have to take me sometime. Yeah. Like, please take me with you. That nice. looks awesome. Right. Because it's thrilling. Like you get a surf launch sure. and you get like, wow, you're going, you're like first thing in the morning, like, yeah, hype, I'm wet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get out there and you're catching like these monster fish and then you come back in and you got the excitement of landing in the surf. And so it's this whole thing. Right. So I've seen this appeal. And then more recently I've had some of my fishing friends who are like, Oh man, like the whitewater stuff you do looks so sick. And I think the thing that I've heard the most repeatedly that stops them is most of them are older guys and they think they're too old to do it. And that to me has been like, of course I don't think there's like this massive interest in the kayak fishing community in doing whitewater. But I think a lot of people who kayak fish see whitewater stuff and they think it is just this like unreachable realm. I think there's some of the stigma of it being huck and pray, right? They see it and they think like they, to, to the untrained eye, like even a really skilled whitewater butter still looks like an insane person. If right. you have no idea what you're looking at, regardless of how much analysis and how perfectly they can run this thing, like a, a person who's never seen whitewater before is going to look at them and be like, that person is crazy, <laughs> uh, which is totally fair. <laughs> yep. um, and then, you know, but the other perspective is like a whitewater butter looking at ocean kayak fishing isn't like, that's not crazy. That looks awesome. Like I can go out there. I can catch my own food. I can have this exciting experience. I'm going to see whales, yeah. whatever the heck else. Everyone loves the beach and you yeah. can go to the ocean and go catch fish for yeah. dinner. Like, yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, I think there's some cross interest there. I don't think it's ever going to be a huge thing. I think you would see more people come from whitewater to fishing. And I've had friends over the last few years in the Northwest who like, had never fished before and started paddling with me. And I just like, sometimes if I go whitewater boating, I'll just bring a trout rod in my boat. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, we're running this stretch of river that no one can get down into. Cause it's down in this micro gorge. So it never gets fished. These fish have never seen a lure before. 
I'm going to bring a fishing rod with me. Uh, and they see me doing that, and they want to try it. And the next time, they get their fishing license, and they've got a little fishing rod in their boat. Nice. Uh, and yeah, and then the next thing you know, they've got the bug, right? So um, I think that's kind of the, the funny thing um, has been seeing like whitewater people get really interested in fishing and seeing the crossover. There are some cool, you know, I would say very underrated like crossover like videos out there. Like uh, some of the guys from NRS, like their team, uh, the Mountain Mine Media guys in Alaska went and did like a, a really gnarly river um in alaska and like as they came out they like bust their fly rods out and start catching salmon um from their whitewater boats and i was that's like awesome. that's, that's awesome sick. and that video like it just didn't get traction for whatever reason right because algorithm and so on yeah. yeah but i was watching i was like that's like that's the dream you go run like this super crazy high volume class five big water river and then you come out into a sound and pull out a fly rod and there's just salmon flying all over the place dude come on <laughs> yeah so yeah, we all can have our dreams yeah yeah so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there. I think it's cool that, I think we, maybe you and I were talking about this yesterday, Dan, about the thing of like just the, in, in outdoor sports and even in water sports, you have these just like animosities between communities. Like rafting versus whitewater kayaking is a prime example. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like white rider rafters are like, oh, stupid kayakers are in the way and, you know, they're running kayakers over. And so now kayakers are just like, screw you guys, run us over all the time. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's silly, right? Cause like you're all out there doing this crazy thing that, I mean, I don't think it's crazy, but a lot of people think it's crazy and you're, it's so similar, but just different enough that people can be mad at each other. And I feel like the least animosity of all of these things is between kayak fishermen and whitewater boaters. Like there's a respect <laughs> nice. you know, where like whitewater boaters are like, oh man, that's cool. You're catching fish out of a kayak. Like I could do that. And then kayak fishermen are like, oh man, you're running crazy stuff. Like that's neat. I wish I could do that. So it's neat to to get to hear both sides of that conversation. Like, well, I, yeah, I liked your video about the John Day trip because you know you were with sort of like rafters and whitewater people. Oh, yeah. But you chose to be in a fishing kayak because you knew the fishing would be so good. And yeah, like, like this is the way to do this river. Right, it's really cool to. Oh man, like every multi day I do now, I'm just like I should have just brought a fishing kayak. Like the gates of Lador, like should I have paddled a fishing kayak? Probably not. But like every rapid, I was like. I could run this in the Mokin. It would be fun. <laughs> awesome. And then have a great time fishing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's kind of like sport. Watching you paddle that thing, uh, the Mokin 12.5 on John Day. It looked like sport. It's like, can it do that? Well, I'm going to try. Can it like, can I boot this off a ledge a little bit? Yeah. I'm going to try. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's, you know, that's the, the bridge is some of these boats are river worthy, you know, and have a leaning toward it. And if they can haul some gear. And be stable and then fish off of it. That's the slow intro river tripping fishing trips. Yeah, totally. I think kayaks got so far to the extreme of just being such big portable docks. And then you had to motorize them in order to get across flat water. Yeah. Like you lost some of the soul of kayaking. And I feel like both those boats we were just talking about, the Mokin 12.5 and then that Crescent that I used today, both had a little bit of a like life and a soul and like you could paddle and go on cool adventures and things like they made sense. Right. Whereas nowadays, so many of these boats almost to me don't even make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. No, that's, that's valid. Well, that's just a portion of like the total workhorse fishing boat, fishing kayak, right. That's coming off the back of the trailer Yeah. versus something that somebody might take on an A to B adventure, lake tour or yeah. down river. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still hope that, the fishing side of things comes back around to better paddling boats, which I mean, it's, it's nice to see like the swell as an example, right. Of like, and knowing that like there are things coming from other manufacturers that are longer, slender, 
you know, better paddling boats. And I've, that's been my hope all along, like seeing the wide thing happen and just being like, I hope all these people get in these really wide boats and they get out there and they have fun. And then they're like, man, this thing paddles like garbage. I really wish it paddled better. And then they go back to the kayak shop and somebody who knows what they're talking about is like, try this thing that is literally five inches narrower <laughs> and it's yeah. going to blow your freaking mind. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was the fork in the road for a lot of folks it's like well this boat is really stable i feel comfortable in it i'm not going to flip it over but man it sure is hard to paddle so i'm going to motorize it and i, I feel like a lot of folks went down that fork and it's not that there's like a bad way i mean for a lot of people they have these really awesome motorized fishing craft yeah. you know they're not necessarily kayaking at that point but they still have that personal feel of a you know one-man boat and they're having a good time no, nothing against that and then the other fork being people that still like the idea of a kayak, the portability, the maneuverability, but you also want to fish from it. And that's why I think like a little narrower, a little bit better performing boats are starting to make a comeback. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's an analogy here, which is like fishing itself, right? You got all these different ways of fishing, you know, like trolling, spinning rods, bait casters, fly fishing, right? And every single one of those things is like a different experience. And I think kayak fishing has that now, right? You've got these things with motors and you've got these things with pedals. And then you've got these really big boats that don't have pedals that probably should. <laughs> and then you've got the narrow, you know, efficient paddling machines. And to me, like I, I draw the connection of like, to me, like the narrow efficient paddling machines are the fly fishing of, of the deal, right? You're connected to the water you're interacting with the water it's it's more finesse activity than you know getting in a pedal trap boat and pedaling along and i'm not disparaging anything no it's just I, the way discipline yeah. lean, like feels yeah i was i was in a hobie outback for like the last three years like it makes sense in a place right like to get out in the ocean and troll for salmon having your hands free totally great um i did that for a few years and now i'm like you know it could be fun to troll for salmon actually paddling because i miss paddling um but yeah, it's just that, that whole different thing of like getting to the fish under your own power, connecting with the water in every stroke like that. Just it came back around for me to a point where I just like couldn't pedal anymore. I just like look at the pedal drive and I'm just like, it's going to be a nightmare. I'm just going to be trudging around. It literally just, you know, you feel like you're going for a walk. And like I kind of hate going for walks. It's like why go for a walk when I could go kayaking or freaking go for a trail run or I can do any of these exciting things, but I'm just going to go for a walk and like a walk's going to bore me. And that's kind of where I got with pedal drives. It's like, I literally was like, I'm going to go for a walk across the ocean right now. And that's what my day is going to be. <laughs> it's got kind of a mechanical nature to it. Like a typewriter versus yeah. a paintbrush or something. A paddle right. is like a paintbrush or yeah. and the, the pedal is just kind of, your feet are literally strapped in and just become the gear, you know, right. and everyone's oh. going to have the same form pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I can kind of get both sides of that. You know, the funny thing to me is that you still, when we go film, you're like, I need a pedal boat. That's so, one of those scenarios, right? Where it still makes sense. It's like, cause totally. how much suffering am I going to put myself through just to like be a purist and like try to take three paddle strokes and then pull my camera up and then be like, crap, 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 I'm turning and then try to like put my camera back down and turn the other back way and be like, ah, it's turning again. We're going to uh, find you in 10 years and you're going to be in a solo canoe, <laughs> like with a camera and a single blade. Because you're like, I just realized I was I was sitting this whole time. I need to be more pure. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have like a gimbal on my head with the camera mounted on it. It's gonna be this very large, like expensive ornate thing. 
It's like attached to a helmet. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be paddling. Anyway, yeah, pedal drives are the way to go for filming. Yeah, and, you're, and trolling, like you said, or whatever yeah. else. Yeah, know? trolling is great, too. That's uh, And honestly, I dig what the guys are doing. I enjoy what, like, kayak bass fishing's become with, you know, the big, like, Hobie 360s, Native Titans, yeah. the, the bow mount spot lock motors, the big torpedoes on the back or Newport vessel motors on the back to get them to their spot. Yeah. Like, it's definitely, uh, it's cool where the sport has gone. Um, just like a tournament bass boat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a different sport now. Yeah. You know, it's almost like boating. Yeah. It's like pod boating. I go and I see it like the little star Wars pods now. I'm like, yeah. They're like all these, you know, <laughs> screens around them and stuff. And like, but they have, it's so cool the way they have cool. them set yeah. up, the way that they're wired oh, up. A lot of pride to it too. And nowadays like the, the pieces that you're rigging with have finally caught up to with, like the kayak industry, like stuff's legit now. Whereas yeah. the first few years of kayak fishing, it was like chopping up milk traits and zip tying PVC. Tying PVC. Yeah. Um, now everything's pretty plug and play, and it's really really cool. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely a thing. I remember like back when I was at ACK, and we were ACK was kind of you know on the forefront in the early days of like doing crazy rigging things to fishing kayaks, right? Because you had yeah. the huge Texas kayak bass fishing scene, and it that was kind of like the early days of like pedal drives being really hot people putting lights on their boats people putting fish finders and so like people would bring these boats there was like a guy once and this actually wasn't even a fishing thing this was like a guy brought in a boat and had us install like a full car stereo system on his kayak (laughs) and it was like a sit inside it was like a pungo style thing and Mm -hmm. it was like cd player big battery Two speakers in the front. Yeah, two CD, speakers. Yeah, in the... CD player. <laughs> this was like a legit. <laughs> this was like a legit full car stereo system. This guy was like, "Put this in my kayak," and we're like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I want like CD player, radio thing right here. I want two speakers in the front. I want two speakers in the back. They're all projecting outwards." And I'm just like, "Outward too." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody's oh, gonna hear what you're jamming, right? That's um, awesome. Like, yeah, I think this was maybe like slightly predating, you know, readily available Bluetooth speakers. So this was yeah. the best option at the <laughs> time. <laughs> And now he just says like, here, here's this Bose portable sound system, ninety five dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, it, that's a prime example, right? It's like you go from you know, fifteen years ago, people were doing that, and now it's literally it's the same thing with kayak fishing. Now you have the the Bluetooth speaker is the entire system for a fishing kayak. Yeah. It's like motors are plug and play, fish finders are plug and play, light systems are plug and play, like everything. It went from like this was a multi-week project for me to customize this boat and all of these things to work together to like you can do this in half a day. You can do that whole system. Yeah, it's you know? made it really nice for shops too with with people that rig. You yeah. know, I follow Matt Guthrie. He used to be my rigger and he moved up to uh, Headwaters Adventure Company in Reading, and uh, I still like to follow what he's up to. And man, the builds he's doing nowadays are super cool, and it's never been easier for him to do his job. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and people awesome. to get into it and figure it out and get the right things. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there actually is one thing that kind of back to the, you know, motors and pedaling and paddling thing. It's like I saw, a, believe it or not, I saw people arguing about this in a kayak fishing group on Facebook recently. And really? A Facebook group arguing? A Facebook group, people arguing about motors no. versus pedals versus paddling. I, I don't, I know it's hard to believe. So I saw this, this argument and, and somebody actually made a good point, which was that, you know, Kayaking for forever and ever and ever has just been a way for somebody who wants to get out by themselves under their own means, you know, have a little alone time, go do their thing, go fishing in this case. 
and you put a motor on the boat, it's still doing the same thing. It's a solo kayak. You put a motor on it. You're just going out to get some alone time. You're basically by saying, I'm going kayaking. You're saying like, I am going to go do this thing by myself and I do not want whoever else to come with me, right? Like you can come in your own kayak, but like, I'm going to be in my kayak having my time for me and catching fish. And I think that's the thing that like is the common ground there is like if you're paddling or pedaling or you have a motor or whatever the heck you have, you're still out there trying to do the same thing. And yeah. instead of everybody arguing about what's better and if trolling motors should be allowed in tournaments and whatever the heck else people want to argue about, it's like it really is the same thing. Sure, you could buy a bass boat for $15,000 instead of getting a super, super rigged Toby PA360, but this person didn't want a bass boat. They wanted to go in a kayak. They wanted to go by themselves. They wanted to have that experience, and that's absolutely fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, in what to me looks like as comfortable as like the best lawn chair in your backyard. Right. So it's, you know, look at these bills. I'm like, that looks so comfortable. <laughs> and so, and people do ice fishing. I mean, this is sitting on a nice, like, folding chair. You got electronics <laughs> to charge your gear. You got. Yeah, on a full, like, pod system, you know, tie All your rods, yeah. all your tackle, everything's just super organized and dialed. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean,. I watch the Greg Blanchard videos, you know, on YouTube. It, he, he makes it look like I should be doing this. This looks awesome. It's, you know, motoring into a spot, eating a sandwich, and he gets there and he's pedaling around, catching bass, you know, sharing beers with his buddy. I'm like, yeah, this looks awesome. Totally. So, anyway, I hope I wasn't ragging too much. There is a part of the, the purist in me that just, I love paddling. I love becoming a boat so much. And it's just like, ooh, I want everyone to feel this. But I also yeah. need to be like, not everyone needs to well that's where our love of the gear comes from because we do like appreciate the reward that something that that, uh performs and something you gotta learn i enjoy that aspect of paddling that you kind of have to suck at it for a little while and get better and better like playing the guitar or like learning to uh, get really good on a bike it's not something you can just be instantly good at and uh, i think that's what keeps me coming back is like the challenge of learning something and mastering something Let's give a thank to our sponsor since we're talking about gear a little bit or at least the performance of it here and come back. I have something I want to get into with you. Okay, sounds good. So today we're not really going to talk about a sponsor, but I want to talk about Seth here. You know, since you're on the show, it's um, the work you've been doing is pretty incredible. And I think if anybody is in the paddle sports space, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you want to get some video work done, Seth's moving into this new kind of stage of life where he's moving out in his camper and he's going to be shooting videos. And I'd love to see you guys help him out, work with him. He's doing incredible work for us and I'm just excited to see what he gets into. Okay, you guys, what I wanted to talk to you about, we were talking about earlier upstairs, was the whole social media thing. So I think I've just noticed in the last, you know, the sun weather gets nice and boom, I'm a 45 year old male that enjoys paddling in Bend, Oregon. My, you know, feed algorithm just goes boom, paddle sports, paddle boards, clothing, water shoes, you know, every which sunscreen, everything. So who's going to be, this was your question, Seth, who's going to be what? Explain. Who's going to be the first kayak manufacturer to sell or rent kayaks in the metaverse i'm so ill-equipped to have this conversation yeah i mean i'm not well equipped either but you know it's like nike is selling shoes in the metaverse like you've got all these companies selling things in the metaverse so 
who's going to, you know, I feel like this is a realm where paddle sports is traditionally quite far behind, but, you know, I think it's, if the metaverse, they're investing tons of money into building this thing, right? So eventually, you know, somebody's going to go in there and be like, I want to go not real life kayaking. Well, the way that, you know, Snoop Dogg has a neighborhood, right? He has land and people are buying houses around him in the metaverse. And when you put on your full sensory suit, unlike a pad that moves underneath you and you have full response in the suit itself because it like squeezes your fingers and weighs your whole body and ways you know you know porn industry gets behind it no, no, now we're gone um but you know that's what i was that'll that'll the the point i'm saying is people will have land there'll be waterfront land like where snoop li- and there will probably be a boathouse at the other side of that lake and you can go and rent boats and your suit will like interact you know when you pull back on your right hand and pull back on your left and paddle across the lake and go hang out in Snoop's Bay with boats and so forth, right? That And that somebody will have the exclusive metaverse boat rental on the lake outside of Snoop Dogg's house. That's a fact. That's coming. Yeah. See, I think I think the other way to look at it is, uh, you know, buy your own private pond in the metaverse and then you buy your own kayak and you can go kayaking completely alone with no other people around. Nobody else can go in your pond, right? Because it's your pond that you've bought in the metaverse. Do you have to pay for Metaverse Bass to plant it? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, hey, dude. Like, <laughs> is there a bass supplier yeah. in the Metaverse? Maybe there's maybe there's a good uh, there's a good partnership for like a nonprofit there. You know, like Trout Unlimited could get in on this and they could <sighs> stock trout in the Metaverse. Oh yeah, like you could have your pond, but if you want your pond to be extra healthy and great bass, and you committed to being you know a member of this thing, like yeah. you actually got a better base. Yeah, it could be join now and get a based into it. Yeah. Oh man. Join now and get a hundred extra fingerlings. <laughs> I mean, these. What about the social potential of this? Like, you know, you're on these date. There's these dating apps, and you want to do a virtual date with somebody, and it's like, let's go kayaking on this lake together. I'm, I think that's coming. It's gotta. Yeah, really? it's gotta happen. Well, I think there's gonna be a situation where you could walk into a virtual bar, and everyone's avatar, and like, will be, the, you know, in little facts. You could see their pro, like, like scrolling so through, scrolling their through past it. History. And then I think it could be to a point where, like, I want to buy that person, especially in an urban environment. Like, I want to buy that person a drink, and like, it goes through the nearest routed like latte making place. That boom, coffee's at her door. Like it, you'd be passing food through the Grubhub apps. That's all linked into it, you know. Like, or you could pass a drink to somebody or a gift, and then it'd be linked off of your like. Your Until you're wearing an Oculus this whole time is what you're telling me. Like some sort of goggles that make you feel like what this is real. Well, then I think actual food could be delivered and drinks could be delivered at like hmm. like a drink could be a coffee. Yeah. So, Ethan, what person? I'm just like I feel like. The way that I'm looking at this, and maybe the way Dan is looking at this, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we we both look at it kind of pessimistically. Like, I don't think it's going to catch on as much as other people do. You seem like you're more optimistic. Like, what percentage of the population, of like the global population, do you think will get in on the metaverse within like the next 10 years? So I, But have you put an Oculus on and worked on the platform and had like... I've, you know, when you put put it on, you're working now in a 360, like, you know, Tom Cruise, that one movie, Sphere, where you're reaching at things and grabbing. So I see the platform making its way if they can get rid of eye strain and, like, exhaustion from it because it's tiring. Yeah. But that you could work in that way and be so much more efficient moving pieces around. And so that in itself is, like, I think adapting of three-dimensional virtual workspaces will happen. Hey, you want to do a Teams meeting? Yeah, boom, blink, and you're sitting, standing in the room with the person 
like that much more immersive because mm. there's a Star Wars game up there where you're having a conversation with an alien and you see his eyes and you see like the liquid in the eye itself like it's Weird. real and your brain has a hard time being like this is fake that can't uh, be good for you yeah I feel like that's <laughs> like I hear that and I'm like I don't want to be in there at all <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. but if you're in an apartment building in the middle yeah, of true. like in, you know a place and you want to experience like a nature it's a lot faster you know like some version of it even yeah. if it's a virtual yeah, I mean, I want right. to, I want to check it out because it's one of those things. Like, how can I say? Yeah, well, well, how can I poo poo it if I've never seen it? So. We, uh, I feel like we fully derailed. Who's, no, who's no. going to get in on it? Who's, who's going to be the first guy? Who's going to do it? Yeah, I'm not going to go first. I already know who I think. But Ethan, go ahead. Um, I think it's going to be somebody that is in that closest to where that technology will come out of, possibly, hmm. because they're, you know, they just need the personnel to work it together and so. So what, like? Silicon Valley. Yep. And so who's making boats? It could be like a performance touring epic type of, no, but like some sort of like, not necessarily an epic, but like a performance company out of there. But more than likely it'd be some SoCal paddleboard company and boat company. And I like, I think, you know, a, a Hobie type or a, yeah. or a comp. You know. Yeah. Mine's Hobie. I think, I think Hobie would, I think it's up their alley more than anybody else's. But that'd be the fishing exclusive. Like, they'd be the... Nah, they want people to use them for recreation, like, uh, really hard. I too. think it's Pelican. Interesting. Pelican. I don't... I just don't see Pelican as, like, the... I don't want to say not modern, hey, but, they like... they sponsored Zoflinger's channel first, man. They were on that. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't I know. I probably said that his name wrong. I apologize. Zoflinger? There you go. I don't know. I love his channel. I just, I, yeah. I, I always read it and I'm like, you're not saying that. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, you could be right. They, they came to mind for me too when I started thinking about this. I was like, I mean, they have, that's a company that would have everything covered. They'd have wreck, fishing, whitewater, like whatever you wanted to do. They'd be like, we got, we got a meta boat for that. Yeah. <laughs> Whew, this is brain work for me, you guys, to that's visualize it. That's, all this happening. We can move on from the meta. That's all. I just was curious <laughs> who you guys. So you guys both think Hobie. I think Hobie. I think that's probably a good bet too. They seem to be uh, out front on a lot of things. Yeah. I think they'd have the component with surf, and they'd also have it with sailing. And yep. so there could be, you know, that's how they would kind of come into it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I want to take a try and ran out of the bay. All right. Yeah. You just sold me on If I could go sail Hobie Catamaran and, Hobie like, Catamaran, San Diego yeah. with this uh, virtual reality, I might be into that. Yeah. You walk out of Snoop Dogg's house right on the beach in San Diego All and right. sail your Hobie Cat. Okay, people, you ask how many people would do this. And, you know, flight simulator, app, computer, like type of apps or driving games. You know, I think there's a certain subset of people that get into that kind of like that. But my kid has one and most of his friends have them. So are they wow. members of the metaverse? You know, I guess like they're 300 yeah. bucks and you're in. Yeah. Like, and that's it, you know, and. The sensors aren't all there, and it's straining, and I get I get sick. Yeah. I like read, you know, to try to do it that, like to jump onto it, and I had to learn how to like deal with like the car sick. The few times I tried it, because I got car uh -huh. sick quickly. But games are rated. Different yeah. games have ratings in terms of like paddling would probably like fishing, kayak would probably be pretty chill. Yeah, you know. Uh, but bass fishing in the metaverse. But they'd have to figure out the movement. You know, they'd have to figure out the movement of the boat to yeah. really make you immersed in it. Yeah, I wonder if kayaking and bass fishing would be... Because, like, if you look at it in the context of video games, right? Like, there was never a successful whitewater kayaking video game. There was a kayak, whitewater kayaking video game, by the way. Uh, it was on, like, Super Nintendo or something. 
and it was called like wild water or something and it's it, it's terrible it's just <laughs> like it's like you're in this like flat you know pointy boat and you're just like careening down this impossibly steep like rolling river basically and then you just like fly into rocks and go flying up in there it's like out of control that's the only whitewater kayaking game I ever saw. Us. I mean, it was it was entertaining as a kayaker to like be doing this and be like, yeah, this isn't like real life at all. I'm trying to do like, I'm like, can I splat that rock? And it's just like, and go explode into outer space or whatever. Uh, but like that never worked, right? So it's then like, well, would that work in the metaverse? And the same with like bass fishing, right? You got these bass fishing games that it's just like, eh, some of them did okay, but like, you know, ultimately when you're doing it, you're like, this is kind of silly. Video game fishing's not that cool. Yeah, and so I wonder if it's, you know, the metaverse is one of those things where, you know, you you do it, and then you when you decide you want to go fishing or you want to go kayaking, you're like, all right, back to the real world now so I can do that thing. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be workspace and social dating and, like, the social dating sphere. That's what will blow that whole thing up into. But workspace is a big one. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Like, wanting to be in touch with your team instead of, Get on a phone call or FaceTime's even harder. Be in the same room. Yeah. True. Huh. Yeah, in the shared drop and your Dropbox would just be all around you in different drawers. Oh, let's grab that. This thing over here. Like, so you wouldn't be able to like share file. You'd just be in a room and everybody could walk over and you could lay it out on a table and everybody would be looking at it on a table. Like different ways of viewing that your brain could gather the info better. All right, we've digressed into. Uh... Yeah, we went too far down that. that was yeah. Bad. Well, I appreciate you guys hanging out. If you've hung out this far. You are a true happy paddling fan. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. Yeah, and a uh, huge shout out to Ethan, man. Thanks for letting us crash your pad and uh, talk boats and just kind of be dirtbags for a little while. Putting this thing out so that at least the people that listen through this might tune in and see your adventures the next few days. I can't wait to see where you guys go around here. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're stoked for it. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining. Happy paddling.